0: It's game week on the Dolphins in Depth podcast. We have games. We've had practices before. Star of the show, or should I say, interim star of the show, Barry Jackson. But now this week we have a game. Are you all excited? Are you up?
1: are you officially a flutter? I am giddy. I am giddy to see live NFL football and starters for maybe I don't know two series, three series, maybe. Yeah, at that, at most.
0: You know, it was funny, the Hall of Fame game was played last, uh, last week, last Thursday, and I tuned in like it was a thing. I actually, you know, set myself on the couch and I'm like, wow, these guys suck. Well, that's because a lot of them are not going to be on NFL rosters in four weeks. That's why. But I still watched. I watched the whole thing. It's I'm I'm stupid. What can I say?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was not really compelling. It's good to have football back though, and there are I think eight live games on NFL Network this weekend. And of course, Dolphins with the rare Saturday afternoon for them preseason game at one o'clock. Two of their three preseason games will be afternoon starts, which is also pretty unusual.
0: Which is great for me because I will be in Chicago. And it means I'm not writing on deadline, Barry. What do you think about that? Because it's all about me. (laughs) I'm going to be actually speaking with people. It's amazing. It's wonderful. So as part of the exercise of having a game, the team must put out a depth chart. And the Dolphins have done that. And let's try it with the offense first, if you will. Uh, anything that you think is uh, highly interesting to mildly interesting?
1: Yes, yes, I found it odd that the depth chart had Durham Smythe third at tight end when he has started the vast majority of games ahead of Gaseki. The last couple of years, which people might not know, but Durham Smythe has started 27 games, Gaseki 14 over the last two years, even though most people would tell you Mike Gusecki is the team starting tight end. So Durham Smythe being third behind uh, both Gaseki and uh, Adam Shaheen was a bit of a surprise. But the caveat, Armando, that we always give readers and listeners with depth charts is our eyes often tell us different things than what the depth chart Would have us believe it often contradicts what we see, and that could be the case because maybe the Dolphins are trying to motivate players, or maybe they're just trying to uh, mislead for the purpose of having opponents be fooled. I'll give you one example. Jamal Perry told us last week he is no longer a corner, he is a safety, and yet the Dolphins list him as the second-team nickel corner on the depth chart behind Justin Coleman. So you're always going to find inconsistencies and head-scratchers in depth charts. That's why it's probably a good idea not to make too much of it. But the tight end thing was one thing that stood out to me. At least the Dolphins should be praised for their honesty with regard to the offensive line because the group that we have seen – The uh, two of us as we watch practice line up for the last nine days in practice is the first team offensive line on the Dolphins card that they submitted to media this week. And that has Liam Eikenberg at left guard, Jesse Davis at right tackle, Michael Dieter at center, uh, Austin Jackson at left tackle, and Rob Hunt at right guard. And it looks like the Dolphins at this point are committed to that group. Although I found it interesting, Armando, that the offensive line coach insisted yesterday that he is not certain Eichenberg is a guard. He said, let's see how he does against Chicago's front in practice, two practices this week, and the game on Saturday. And then we'll have a good idea whether he's a guard or a tackle.
0: Well, it's easier to play guard than tackle. Um, So, and, And I remind people, a lot of great offensive tackles have started their careers as a guard. As rookies. For example, Laramie Tunsell played left guard his rookie season um, and then moved to left tackle. Uh, I, I'm reminded that in Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken, well, I, I'm not mistaken because I know it to be a fact, in Baltimore, they had longtime Pro Bowl, then, you know. Hall of Fame left tackle, what was his name? Um, Now I'm drawing a blank. Jonathan Ogden. Yes, Ogden, and he played his first season at left guard. And so it's not unremarkable, it's not unheard of when a rookie who is ultimately slated as a tackle begins as a guard. And here's something that's, you know, kind of interesting to me, Barry – I think that Eichenberg might be a better guard than uh, Jesse Davis, even though – and Jesse Davis at this point might be a better tackle than Eichenberg. And so, you know, those two things at play and Solomon Kinley going, but what about me? I'm still in – Second and third That's exactly how he sounds, by the
1: way, Barry. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. I feel bad for Kinley because he showed promise certainly as a run blocker last year. And you figure at some point he's going to get a look. Uh, we tried to ask their defensive uh, – or I'm sorry, their offensive line coach, uh, Lem Jean-Pierre, yesterday, what exactly is the reason for Solomon Kinley having been buried? Is he out of shape? Is there an issue with technique? He said, no, no, no. He went back to the old line that coaches use, which is, we want to see players with different groups. But he said, Solomon hasn't changed from last year. He's still a big, aggressive guy. Uh, However, clearly pass protection was an issue with him late last season. He gave up four sacks over the final seven games of the season. So I think that is probably the reason we see him on the bench. But to me, Armando, on the offensive line, I'd be worried about offensive tackle depth just a little bit. Now, the good thing is you have Robert Hunt who can swing back to right tackle if there's an injury to Jesse Davis or to Austin Jackson. And obviously Eichenberg can play tackle. But right now, The Dolphins' number six offensive lineman is Adam Pankey, who is a household name primarily in his own household, and Flores and Greer have kept him around for three years, so they must see something there. They like his strength. They like his versatility, but Adam Pankey as your sixth offensive lineman is probably going to cause some people to worry a bit. The big disappointment on the line in camp to me has been the former Patriots starting right tackle Jermaine Ellimanour who has been a non-factor in the competition at right tackle. And, in fact, the Dolphins listed him yesterday as a backup guard, uh, which came out of nowhere. So uh, the fact that Elmanor has not been a factor, the fact that D.J. Fluker was lost to them because of knee surgery, reach an injury settlement, and was waived. That, to me, diminishes their tackle depth and has created probably a bit of a cause for concern.
0: And that is the reason that they are searching for a backup tackle, a swing tackle uh, on the trade market. It, it's a known fact. they are searching, they are in need, they want. and my guess is before this team is brought together for the first week of games, they will have uh, a tackle currently not on the roster, that they've either plucked off of waivers from elsewhere or traded for. That's that's something that they must do. And you're absolutely right. J- Jermaine Eliminor last year played well in spurts for the New England Patriots. And I was told by a New England source, that's a good backup player. That's a very good backup player. And yet here, you're right. Uh, Panky. Is ahead of him. Uh, he's not even. I don't. I haven't even been able to count how many repetitions in practice. Eliminor has really been taking a tackle, but my guess is not a whole
1: lot. Not right. Very- even Larnell Coleman has played ahead of him. The seventh round rookie draft pick uh, right. got some snaps up with the first team when Jesse Davis was resting his knee, which he says is not a problem. So yeah, he's been a complete non-factor. And as long as we're on the offensive line. Who would have thought that Michael Dieter would be the Dolphins' starting center for their first 10 practices? This isn't even a case of Dieter splitting that job with Matt Skura, who started 51 games from Baltimore at center. This is a case of Dieter starting every single day, which tells you what they think about him. I tried to uh, solicit some uh, information from Lem Jean-Pierre yesterday about what exactly Dieter's doing that has impressed him. And he said, well, he's smart. He knows the system. He's tough. That was about the extent of it. But clearly, they see a difference between those two players because if you're going to give all the first-team reps to one guy, that's pretty revealing.
0: Left out competitive, did he? Isn't that the flow mantra? Smart, tough, competitive? And loves football. And loves football? Yeah, you know, so, wow. Thanks, Gene. <laughs> Thanks, Gene. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Gene. Um, my question to you is, have the Dolphins, you brought up Michael Dieter, have the Dolphins underspent, under-recognized the importance of center? And I ask this because the latest NFL, I'm not going to say trend, uh, the latest NFL thinking in by a lot of smart people is you have to have good tackles and then you need a really good center, uh, even if you're not spending very highly at guard. And the Dolphins, they're kind of doing the opposite. They spent highly at guard, certainly last year when when they signed Eric Flowers. And I guess now, again, this year, when you think of the fact that their left guard is a second-round pick and their right guard uh, is a second-round pick. So they're spending a guard, and yet the center is a guy who, you know, yeah, he was a third-round pick in 2019, but we're not
1: sure just how good he really is, are we? No, and I'm glad you brought up this topic because it's fascinating to see the difference in approach between the Dolphins and the Chargers, two teams with second-year quarterbacks picked back-to-back, who they're trying to protect. And the Chargers' priority this offseason was finding a top flight center to snap the ball to Justin Herbert and to protect him. And they gave five years, sixty three million to Corey Lindsley, considered one of the best centers in the game, a former Green Bay Packer, and they invested huge money at that position. The Dolphins, in contrast, countered by giving Matt Scurra, One and a half million, only part of that is guaranteed a small amount. So it's been a different set of priorities for those two teams. It doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong, but it's interesting, their approach. And I will say this, the Dolphins tried very hard to get David Andrews from the Patriots, who would have clearly been an upgrade over what they've had in Kilgore and Karras the last couple of years. Both of those centers, good guys, both serviceable, neither embarrassed you, you know, but they were mid Mid-tier centers, right? Uh, So Andrews would have given them a center who was probably top two-fifths of the league among centers, maybe top third. And they were in it till the very end. They continued pursuing Andrews even after signing Matt Scora, But ultimately, Andrews took what I was told was a little bit less from New England because he was happy living in Massachusetts, happy with uh, how comfortable he was with the Patriots. And that's why the Dolphins failed to get David Andrews, even though they tried. So at that point, they had Scora, who had snapping issues in Baltimore last year, lost his job. They added Cameron Tom, former Saints practice squad player. And they had Dieter, who started 15 games from the guard two years ago. And then last year, played barely 25 snaps all year. So it's just interesting that Dieter has surpassed Scora to the point where even when Lem Jean-Pierre tells us it's a competition, it's certainly hard to believe that based on how first-team snaps have gone in camp. Now, all that being said, Armando, if Michael Dieter has a series of bad snaps against the Bears and Falcons, and if he's overwhelmed by the Bears' nose tackle, then clearly they're going to take a look at score in that role.
0: There's no doubt about that. Michael Dieter may be the, the, the leader right now but we're not in the clubhouse yet. And, you know, in fact, he's got to play well in the preseason because he has guaranteed himself nothing other than of an opportunity. And getting back to the Dolphins' center chase, it was also interesting, don't you think, that they went for Andrews and it was a known commodity because, obviously, every Patriot is a known commodity to the former Patriots coach, Brian Flores but it was feast or famine it was either Dave Andrews or you know they didn't go with Alex Carris and Alex Carris's mm-hmm. you know nephew they didn't do that they didn't they didn't go the next step down they went two more steps down to to Scora I just don't I mean it doesn't have to be feast or famine, does it? Why, why right. could well, there well, be a uh, middle ground in right? there?
1: Yeah. Let's see what Michael Dieter is. Maybe he'll be a pleasant surprise. He's a good kid. He's very studious. He has, as we talked about a little bit last week, he's got some toughness to him. He'll be an ace with the calls because he's really smart. And maybe at that position, you don't need the best athlete in the world, right? I mean, maybe the qualities Dieter has will be enough for him to be competent. Pass protection, obviously, is a concern because he was exposed there a little bit as a rookie, gave up. Uh, high volume uh, of pressures among the worst in the league in terms of pressures relinquished as a starting guard for the Dolphins in 2019 so that would be the issue and also obviously strength in the run game can he clear out opposing nose tackles and create space for Gaskin Malcolm Brown and Savon Ahmed so that's the issue we're not going to know until we start playing games but if the Dieter thing works out then you got to credit the Dolphins and say look They found a center. They were smart enough to move him from guard to center, and he at least will be a competent NFL center. If we're sitting here in week four and he hasn't given up a sack and he's been adequate in the run game at the very least, then we'll be saying, okay, this was a resourceful filling of a position that needed filling. But to me right now, it's as big a question mark as anything you have on the team just because you don't know what you have with Dieter at center because you've not seen it in a game yet, at least since Wisconsin in 2016 when he played center there, and that's an entirely different level, obviously.
0: Yeah, uh, speak for yourself, Barry. If we're sitting here in week four and Dieter's played well, You'll say what you said you'll say. I'll say there's thirteen more games to play. <laughs> exactly. we'll see well, you know a, a full season has a way of i remember, look, dude, I've lived a lot of three and o starts. We're going to the Super Bowl, and suddenly we're not going to the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying right um you mentioned in passing the running backs are we <laughs> Are we just going to say that it's going to be okay? Or are we going to, you know, kind of
1: tell the truth? Well, it's it's generally a below average group, as we know. At the same time, they're probably not as bad as some believe because Gaskin has exceeded all expectations as a seventh round pick. He did average 4.1 per carry. Uh, Ahmed averaged 4.3. Malcolm Brown's a little over four in his career. It's a very effective uh, in in pass protection. Uh, so it's an adequate group. The question will be, will there be another on Bell type moment, not talking about Bell specifically, but will there be a player, a marquee name who shakes free at some point this season where the Dolphins say, hmm, that would be interesting. They obviously tried to sign Bell last year. He opted to go to Kansas City and was unhappy there as well, and the Dolphins haven't given him a sniff this offseason. So if a Sony Michelle shakes free from New England, if Javante Williams is great for Denver and they want to part ways with Melvin Gordon, this will be an interesting decision from Greer and Flores. Do you pursue one of those backs? Anyone out there, Armando, that makes your – Toes tingle, to use a, an old Jim Mandich expression, as far as backs who could shake free, veterans either available, potentially available, who you think would help the room?
0: Eric Dickerson is available. Also, <laughs> Jim Brown. Um, no, nah, dude. I mean, look, I think we kind of know that the really good players are not going to come available at this stage. Um Because teams don't do stupid stuff, generally. Uh, And I think we all know that folks that do come available, you know, it sounded good uh, a couple of years ago when Shady McCoy got cut and he went landed with a new team and then did nothing. It sounded good last year when, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the New York Jets parted Uh, you know, parted ways with their rap singing superstar uh, running back. But how did that turn out? He didn't exactly change anything for anyone. It's guys that generally get let go late in training camp or – even during the season, you know, the Dolphins let guy, let a guy go during the season last
1: year, correct? All right, Jordan, Jordan Howard. Was, Jordan uh, Howard? Got all the 28 carries, gained 32 yards, and that yeah. was that. And he went back home to Philadelphia,
0: and he made a huge difference. <laughs> no, not really. So, and, and oh, by the way, did you hear what Jordan Howard said
1: uh, to the Philadelphia reporters that well, was recently. funny. Yeah. Tell, tell the audience about the comments from Chan Gailey that apparently he was told.
0: So Jordan Howard's being interviewed by the Philadelphia reporters, and at one point he says, yeah, the offensive coordinator in Miami last year said I didn't fit the system. Huh? <laughs> what?
1: Wow. And Gailey, of course, was hired before Howard was signed, so that that's a real head scratcher. That is a real head scratcher. Uh,
0: that, that doesn't, and I'm not sure that I would put the onus of the question mark on Gailey, by the way, because Jordan Howard, when he got the ball here in Miami, I didn't see a lot of explosion. I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of breakaway. I didn't see a lot of power. I saw a lot of, you know, kind of, fall into a hole, and that was that. So it's not like, you know, running backs fit the system. If you're a system running back, something's up. I mean, running backs can run. It's the easiest position of all the positions to figure out. It's the easiest position to scout. It's the easiest position to draft for. It's the easiest position to fill. It's the easiest position to play and to play
1: immediately and to be good at if you're good. I mean... off the soapbox, sorry. No, I totally agree with that. I also thought it was telling Armando that the Dolphins put in a waiver claim for on Johnson when the Lions parted ways with him a couple months ago yep. until he was able to grab him off waivers. They had a higher pick in the waiver order. But this is a guy, even though he was a high draft pick, he averaged 3.6 and 3.5 yards per carry the last couple years. So this obviously has not been an elite NFL performer. But that sort of tipped their hands to the fact that, yes, they are open to adding – an upgrade if they find one. But to me, I think a lot will depend on how uh, Gaskin holds up health-wise in training camp, how Ahmed holds up health-wise, because there are durability issues with both of them, certainly. Gaskin missed four games or six games last year, partly due to a knee, partly due to COVID. Ahmed missed three of the eight games that he was on the 53-man roster for. So uh, if either has health issues in August or if either underwhelms in preseason games, then I do think they will be – at least active looking for a back on waivers or via trade for a late round pick uh, before the regular season starts.
0: We're way over on the first segment. So when interim star of the show, Barry Jackson and caddy of the show, Armando Salguero return after this break, we'll, uh, we'll discuss a situation with the receivers and take a quick look at the defense as well. We'll be right back. Barry, so getting back to this depth chart, um, I think it kind of lies when it's talking about Jalen Waddle. Your thoughts?
1: Yes, it's interesting that Waddle was listed on the second team. I fully expect by week two, when Will Fuller is eligible to return, presuming he's healthy, that your receivers, when the Dolphins are in three receiver sets, will primarily be Devonte Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle in the slot. I do think Albert Wilson will and should get playing time both in the slot and on the boundary. Uh, Preston Williams might whenever he's healthy, which could be in late October from all we know. But, yeah, it was odd that Waddle was on the second team. Uh, So the Dolphins have listed Parker, Fuller, Wilson as their first team receivers. And give Albert Wilson credit. He's had a fabulous training camp. He's been as good a story as any alongside Tua, obviously, in this training camp. And he deserves to be on the team. He has, by all accounts, uh, won a roster spot pending any health issues. Uh, to me, which he had, by uh, the way, the last yeah.
0: practice we saw, man.
1: Yes, he was not uh, fully dressed for the last practice, but he wasn't walking with a limp either. So that's something that we'll bear monitoring this week. To me, and I, I want—I'm curious how you see this receiver room, but I want to quickly say I think Parker, Fuller, Waddle, Wilson, Matt Collins will be five of potentially or six. The reason I include Matt Collins in that group, and I know you and I see eye to eye on him, he's made plays as a receiver. He's done it in camp. He did it, obviously, in the Las Vegas game with perhaps a play of the year for the Dolphins last year. He's really good as a gunner on special teams. He gives you size as a receiver. He does the right thing. Danny Crossman likes him. Uh, this is a guy that I thought early on in camp, I thought Robert Foster had sort of surpassed Hollins in that battle of two receivers who can play the gunner role on special teams. But I think Hollins has surpassed Foster now. Hollins has gotten a lot of first-team work. So to me, that's five receivers secured. So if Preston Williams opens the season on PUP, that would mean your sixth receiver, if you keep six, would have to be either Jakeem Grant Alan Hearns, Robert Foster, Lynn Bowden, Isaiah Ford. How do you make that decision? Yeah, I think it's down to
0: Jakeem Grant and Lynn Bowden. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think a lot of it will have to do with can someone beat Jakeem Grant out of the kick returner spot? If someone can... Obviously, his stock goes down if someone cannot. Obviously, his stock goes up, and he's likely going to be on the team. But I find it really hard to believe that Lin Bowden, a high draft pick of the Raiders last year, and a guy that by all accounts is is a good player, uh, wouldn't be on this team. I just and yet he's you know a third team wide receiver right now. But I just find it hard to believe, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage it because, as we all know, Will Fuller is not going to be available for the first week. So it's not a question of the first week necessarily. It's a question of beyond the first week when Fuller supposedly comes back. And I say supposedly because he hasn't practiced but one day so far in training camp with with an injury. And so... I that's that's going to be interesting, the, the Jakeem Grant, Lynn Bowden, and others uh, dynamic.
1: Yes, my guess is they ultimately trade Jakeem Grant for a team who needs a returner. And my hunch is they keep Bowden, but I don't have a conviction about it, and here's why. Even though it's too soon to give up on Lynn Bowden's potential, and he has an innate skill to be able to make something out of nothing, which we saw last year, It's still, in my mind, a little hard to justify giving him a roster spot if several others continue to outperform him in practice. Like Isaiah Ford has been the far better player than Lynn Bowden in training camp. But at the same time, you also can make the case, look, Isaiah Ford's a journeyman. He'll be around if you need a body in October. It's too soon to give up on Lynn Bowden with all of that ability and I get that. That's why, to me, that choice is so difficult. It's interesting. I asked Josh Grizzard, the receivers coach, yesterday about Bowden's preseason, where he thinks he stands. And he said something that surprised me. He said, Lynn Bowden's at his best when there's other teams' competition, when there's another team across the line of scrimmage from him. So he says, the type of moments that we're going to see in practices with the Bears this week is going to bring out the best of them as opposed to a humdrum Dolphins training camp practice. It'll be interesting to see if he comes alive in Chicago this week. He certainly needs that boost.
0: Yeah, and that that comment is a little troubling, don't you think? I mean,
1: he yeah, should okay. be motivated regardless.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's okay if you're saying that about, you know, an established, uh, no doubt about it. He's on the roster, you know, veteran, but Lynn Bowden is in year two and he's not established by any measure. He's not an absolute by any measure. He's not a starter by any measure. So, uh, he's a good role player at this point, but you got to earn your keep every day. I think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I,
1: No, I agree with you, and I think one smart thing the Dolphins did this offseason was keep around their depth. We wondered, would they cut Alan Hearns, would they trade Jakeem, would they part ways with Albert Wilson long before we got to this point? And the fact they didn't was really smart. Because the depth has been tested in camp, Parker's had a hamstring issue, Willer's had a, uh, Will Fuller's had a health issue, and obviously Preston Williams isn't healing as quickly from the Liz Frank foot surgery as people expected. I know the expectation a couple months ago was that Williams should be fine to start the season uh, from talking to his trainer and from others, but uh clearly that's very much in question at this point it's just hard to imagine him being on the 53 when the season starts if you keep him on PUP the first week of the regular season that puts him out 6 weeks 6 games for Miami and that at least buys you more time with him
0: yeah let's uh let's let's go over to the defense because we spent like over 33 minutes on the offense because you know the NFL is about offense and scoring points uh but you got to Do some work on the other side. And the most troubling thing so far that I've seen for this defense, Barry, is that I haven't seen Jalen Phillips. And, you know, I'd like to see Jalen Phillips because Jalen Phillips looks the part. He is, he should be the first guy off the plane because he's definitely on the all uh, airport team. And I don't see him in practice, and I'm starting to get a little, you know, concerned about this
1: situation. Well, the good news is he was able to participate in the conditioning drill after practice on Sunday. He ran, didn't seem to have any sort of limp. He's not wearing any protection on his legs. So it's a lower body issue with him. He's been out since the third practice of camp. We've now completed 10. But it doesn't sound to me like it's going to be several more weeks. I would think he'd be back at some point in training camp. The question is, can he get up to speed quickly enough to play significant snaps in the regular season opener? I mean, this is a guy you want on the field, ideally, at least 30 snaps a game, at least in pass rushing spots, right? So that you could come at teams with Van Ginkle and Ogba and Adam Butler and Phillips, probably your four best pass rushers in third and long. So that's what you're trying to get to. Uh, Well, he's been out. We've seen good things from Brennan Scarlett. So that's encouraging. He has at least four sacks in camp. And here's a guy who had only 5.5 sacks in five years with the Texans. So that's been nice. I I know you spoke to Scarlett this offseason. I did. What a a brilliant young man. Stanford educated entrepreneur has opened some companies. So I think Brennan Scarlett's an easy guy to root for. So at the moment, he would be your backup edge guy if Jalen Phillips eventually is your starter. And then you've got Vince Beagle who's coming off the Achilles and Duke Riley, et cetera. But I do agree with you. Phillips has to be healthy for this pass rush to be adequate. And, and frankly, other than the concussions, which I don't say lightly, other than the concussions at UCLA, he has been pretty durable during his year as a hurricane so, sure. or his one active year. So the hope is that this is nothing serious and he'll be back at some point in August. Allow me for a second to add some nuance, because I think sometimes we all
0: think about, well, as long as he's ready for the start of the season, it's going to be okay. And that definitely is the case if you're speaking about an established, grizzled, experienced veteran. But if you're rookie, linebacker, quarterback, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, defensive back, is ready for the start of the season physically but missed a good deal of work in the preseason and in training camp, he might be physically ready, but he's not mentally ready. And it's important. It's, it seems obvious to me that, you know, Jalen Phillips is not playing in the preseason opener. I mean, we're four days away, and he hasn't practiced in a week. So, I don't know how he's going to be able to go from no practice in a week to suddenly he's you know playing in a game.
1: do you no, I don't either, yeah. and also not only obviously as you just made great points about the need for snaps for n f l rookies at certain positions, but even more so for him because he's changing positions. Right. He was a linebacker some at u c l a but u m used him for the most part as a hand in the ground defensive end. He did have some snaps as a you know, seemingly an outside linebacker uh, without his hand on the ground role at UM, but now he will be almost entirely a stand up linebacker, which means he's gonna have to drop into coverage and that's something that UM didn't ask him to do. So even though he's a smart, really smart young man and he absorbs stuff quickly, you still need the snaps of doing it and that's why, as you said, it's worrisome that he's not out there because he needs the experience to be a clear cut rotation player for you in the opener. Correct. Two more things I want to
0: see in the preseason, Barry, and then I'll hand them over to you and you can give us a couple. Number one, can Bernardrick McKinney cover? And here's the answer. No, he can't. He's a good one-down, run-down linebacker. He's always in the backfield. He's very active. His run fits are very good. And he is always making plays on run-downs. On pass downs, he's always getting burned. <laughs> and, and so if that's happening, the reason that Myles, one of the reasons Miles Gaskin is kicking butt in training camp is because he has totally destroyed Bernard Rick McKinney, uh, in the pass game, like destroyed him. And so I've decided that Bernard Rick McKinney is not a passing down linebacker. That's observation number one. Observation number two. Javon Holland, the depth chart here is telling me he's not a starter. Let me break it for you. He's going to be a starter in 2021. If not at the start of the season, by the end of the season, Javon Holland, if he's healthy, will be a starting safety for the Miami Dolphins. Go,
1: Barry. Well, you stole one of mine with Holland, a terrific point. To have two interceptions – and a fumble recovery in your first three days as a first-team safety shows you the type of ball-hawking skills, the type of instincts that were intoxicating with this kid. I mean, nine interceptions in the two years at Oregon. You talked to Mario Cristobal about him. He raved about the young man. Just based on talent alone, he's got to start ahead of Jason McCourty, right? I mean, Jason McCourty's had a terrific NFL career. He brings a lot to the room in terms of experience Uh, savviness, ability to play two positions. But to me, as long as Holland is at least competent in terms of calling out plays, which is a big part of that free safety job, pre-snap reads and conveying it to teammates, as long as he's competent at that, to me, he's got to start. So my two things would be this. I asked the defensive line coach, Austin Clark, who's a straight shooter, yesterday this question. I said, we have seen Zach Sealer open with the first team when you all have a three-man front, more often than we have Christian Wilkins. Is this a byproduct of packages or is this an indication that there is a legitimate Zach Sealer versus Christian Wilkins battle for one starting spot on the Miami Dolphins defensive line? And even though his answer wasn't clear cut, he his answer suggested that this is an open competition. Now he quickly added that he thinks Wilkins has had a good camp, but this team thinks a lot of Zach Sealer I also followed up by asking, Are you just trying to light a fire under Wilkins? He said, No, no, it's not that at all. We just want to see different players with different groups. So it's going to be interesting to me whether this motivates Wilkins, who's already, you know, pretty self motivated guy as it is, he's pretty thoughtful. Uh, will this take him to a higher level? Because even though you can say Zach Steeler's a wonderful story, he's earned 25 to 30 snaps a game, they drafted Christian Wilkins with the thinking this could be a pro bowl defensive lineman, right? And so for him not to start to me would be a very worrisome sign. And I want your thoughts on that in one minute. Second thing, though, I was going to mention was who among the young cornerbacks, and even your new slot corner, Justin Coleman, is going to step up and say, I am going to be an asset on this defense. It's interesting to me that Coleman has taken all the first-team snaps at nickel. The former Lion and Seahawks player has had a decent career, certainly, but struggled in Detroit last year. Uh, Nick Needham has been a little bit uh, in the slot, but on the outside as well. Needham's had some good plays in camp, but generally this group of young corners hasn't been great. We've seen some plays by Javaris Davis, second-year player out of Auburn. Trill Williams, a Syracuse rookie, has flashed. Uh, but obviously, we've talked at length about Noah's struggles. So the question is, among all these young corners, and the Dolphins love in this regime bringing in young corners and seeing who can be developed, which one stands out in these next three games? I've got a half dozen of them on the roster. I asked Charles Burks, the cornerback's coach, yesterday, which young corner has flashed. I was expecting an answer, all of them. But to Charles Burke's credit, he gave me a name. He said, Javaris Davis has really impressed me. So this is a kid the Dolphins met up close at Auburn uh, last year in early March when the Dolphins' coaches went up there. They brought him in a couple times. They cut him a couple times. He was on the practice squad. He's had a good camp. So if you're looking for a sixth corner, he's certainly at least in the mix for that.
0: I'm so happy that there's an Auburn corner that's yeah. impressing the defensive backs, cornerbacks coach.
1: <laughs> right, because it's
0: not the other one. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, we've run out of time, Barry. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to kick a guy when he's down. I'm just not going to do it this, 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 this once. I'm not going to do it. Um, we want to thank you for joining us on this Dolphins in Death podcast. The next time we gather, there will have been a Dolphins game which is like giddiness electrified. It's good. It's it's yummy. It's delicious. And we'll serve it up for you hot with fire, as we always do. Interim star of the show, Barry Jackson, thank you so much for, uh, for your help today. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero. We'll talk to you next week.